This is Five on Three. Center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Welcome back to another edition of Five on Three, WFUV's NHL podcast alongside Mike Messina and Tyler Mooney. I'm Chris Hennessy. Thursday, July 22nd, just the morning after an interesting night in Seattle and Gasworks Park. Lots of discussion about that and a whole lot coming up. And guys, it was it was a really interesting time over the weekend before the roster freeze where both Lou Lamorello and Tom Fitzgerald made moves corresponding to where they are, right? Lou Lamorello clears a lot of cap space. The Devils go out and get Ryan Graves. And we'll start there. Just obviously it, it's a week old now, so we'll just kind of mention it, but they go and get a top four defenseman. They take advantage of a team with a, a myriad of, of great players that they just couldn't protect in Colorado. And overall, I mean, a, a really solid selection for New Jersey. Yeah, the Devils needed this. They, they need to go out and get that top four, top five defenseman. And, and Colorado, like you said, Chris, really just going to protect all their great players that they had. And this was the perfect opportunity for the Devils to kind of swoop in and get that player that can kind of take take control for, of the defense for the Devils and, and be the reason maybe that that more players want to come to the team and make them an actual enjoyable team to watch because I don't know about you guys but I don't watch Devils games they're the most boring things on earth to me um, but maybe the players going there could make other playmakers want to come and play with them so I love the move um, happened a week ago I uh, think the Devils are gonna are, are gonna use him to an advantage that Colorado maybe didn't. And I think it could work out for them in the long run. Yeah. It's a good move for New Jersey graves, you know, came out of nowhere. It seems the last couple of years, he was actually on the Rangers in the Rangers farm system, which I had no idea about until he kind of blossomed in Colorado. So, you know, you're hoping that it was a product of, you know, his play and him being a good defenseman and not just the fact that he was playing on an outstanding team, but I think he would definitely be a solid pickup for the Devils. He'll slot into their top four very nicely. And, yeah, you, you said it. It's, a, it's an example of a team not being able to protect all their players. I was surprised we didn't get maybe as many of those moves as I thought we would, but this was a great move by, by the Devils to, to pick up a player who's going to fill a big need for them. Yeah, there were a few of them, but I do agree, Tyler. You saw Nashville kind of panic sell both Victor, Victor Arvidsson and – Ryan Ellis. The Ryan Ellis one is interesting to me. We'll get to that in a minute because I want to hit on the Islanders too, as they, they shell out cap space and, and they get a second round pick and lose two of them in order to do it. They trade Nick Letty to Detroit for a second round pick. Um, it's, it was a tough one to swallow because Letty and Boychuk, you know, they were the first two guys to buy into a team that had nothing to buy in to, except for John Tavares. And, uh, new building that was a basketball gym and they they came here bought in signed big contracts and and letty was really really good for them for the past seven years and it makes sense to trade them you, you got to move up no adoption you got to clear clear out cap space to re-sign adam pellick but definitely a tough one to swallow and the andrew ladd one good freaking riddance i cannot that contract was so bad and i i honestly don't understand why arizona took it for only two second round picks. It was a miracle that they got out of there without giving up their first in my eyes. But I felt like those were two solid moves to clear up the cap space. And rumor mill has it that maybe they make a run at Gabe Landeskog, which would be very interesting. Yeah, I was reading that. I was like, that that would be 
maybe the piece that could put the Islanders over that that hump that they can't seem to get over when when getting to the playoffs. I mean, if they can get Landeskog, that that would be pretty remarkable by Lamarillo and, and just by him, like you just said, cutting the cap space from from Nick Letty, which which was needed. And Andrew Ladd, both both of the guys, kind of a lot of people maybe thought they were going to be gone after the season anyway because of the cap space. But Lamarillo is doing a great job, man. Uh, since, since the start. He, he's been doing absolutely phenomenal, getting rid of these players, getting more money in, in order to sign higher, more talented, higher rated players. So, so I like that move also. And it's going to give the Islanders so much more wiggle room in order to either re-sign their own guys or go out and, and sign somebody like Lance Scott. I find it so funny that it's always the Coyotes who are taking on these old contracts. Like I'm pretty sure they took on the Datsuit contract. I want to say there was another one that I'm forgetting. And now this Andrew Ladd deal, I mean – you said, Chris, you thought that they would, you know, have to give up a first round pick for that. It is huge that they don't, but we talked about, I want to say in an episode that was towards the end of the season about how the coyotes, they need draft capital and they they've missed on draft picks. And then through various, you know, sanctions and punishments, they've, they've gotten draft picks taken away. So I thought this was a good deal for them getting two seconds and a third, I believe just to somehow, you know, try and get back this draft capital that they've lost. And obviously you both, I don't want to, you know, beat a dead horse but you both said it perfectly this these were good moves the islanders to get rid of cap space that they're going to use for for better things yeah it'll be interesting to see when these rfas get signed because you think that they're going to put pen to paper on bovillier pellick and sorokin before they go out and get landeskog there's just a report that parise and Suter. there's mutual interest for both of those guys to come to long island um that would that would basically in my eyes as i try to do the mental math kind of put them out of landeskog territory unless they're able to move somebody else. So we'll see. I, I think, I think Landeskog is a far reach and I think he's just going to end up back in Colorado on a, on a hometown, David Posternock, Braden point type six ish million dollar deal that, that lands him a cup as the captain of the, the avalanche. I think that's what he wants. I think that's what they want, but clearly and more power to him. The Islanders want to go after Landeskog and many teams want to, I'm, personally shocked that Seattle didn't take him and try to sign him. So we'll see how it goes. I think, I think the Islanders are in for a very interesting two weeks here um, as a team. I mentioned the Ryan Ellis trade. This is one that just made absolutely no sense to me. Tyler, you're in Philly. So I'm very interested to hear what your, your buddies are saying about this because they trade Philip Philippe Myers, who's a young defenseman and Nolan Patrick, who was the number two overall pick to Nashville, for a 30-plus defenseman. And then Nashville takes Nolan Patrick and trades him to Vegas for Cody Glass. So Vegas's best prospect goes – so it doesn't make any sense. Nashville paid a 30-plus defenseman for Vegas's best prospect and a 25-year-old defenseman. I don't – they – I think that they got away with murder. I, I cannot figure this one out. So – my Flyer fan friends are saying the exact opposite of this, and I'm generally tending to agree with them. I think the Flyers absolutely fleece the Predators in this deal. I mean, if you look at the Flyers, they're in this you know weird spot. Everyone thought that they would be really good this year, a possible cup winner, and they just completely fell flat, missed expectations by a mile. And they, especially on the defensive side, they had a lot of guys that just underperformed. Myers was one of them, but Provorov, Sandheim, there really isn't a single player in the Philadelphia Flyers defense that you could point to last year and was like, yeah, he had a pretty good year. They were all terrible. This is just a massive addition, addition excuse me, for the Flyers. They get a guy who's 
under a pretty reasonable price for, you know, the talent that he can bring. They have him signed for six more years. And Ryan Ellis, I know he had a bit of a down year this year, but I think if he can get back to the way he played and, you know, when the Predators went on that cup run and then the years following, I think it's completely reasonable to say that he can be a top 10 defenseman in the NHL. And as far as the guys that the Flyers gave up, I mean, Myers, is a, he's, he's a solid defenseman, but I think the consensus on him is that he might not be anything more than, you know, maybe he gets into your top two, but I think he's more set as a middle pair guy. And then Nolan Patrick, I mean, I, I hope that he has, you know, a resurgence, you could say in a new location in Vegas, but he's really been, I mean, he's been a bust so far. It, it sucks to say, especially since he's dis- dealt with issues like migraines and things like that. But I think going into this off season, I thought that the trade price for Ryan Ellis was going to be much higher than it was. And I think this was a great deal for the Flyers. Yeah. I thought the price was also going to be higher than it was. Um, but I'm, I, I, I'm excited to see how this comes up. I'm obviously not too invested in the national predators or really even the Philadelphia Flyers, but I'm excited to see how, or, or the Knights for that matter, since, since they were somehow grouped into this trade. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to see really what comes out of it, who produces, because like you said, Tyler, we don't really know what we're going to see out of Felipe Myers or really any of the other players on the other team. So I'm excited to see where, where it can go and how it can really elevate the other teams and get them past that hump and be what they need. I might be misrepresenting in my brain, like how I'm really thinking about this, because you're okay. So you're going to be paying a 36 year old $6.25 million down the pipe. That's fine. You're also about to next year, obviously, you know, maybe, maybe not, but sign Couturier and Giroux to long contracts. So now you're going to have three guys at over $6 million deep into their 30s. That does not feel like a way to win a Stanley Cup in my eyes. And I know that Nolan Patrick has been a bust, but he's 22 years old. And I know that Philippe Myers is probably never going to reach the height of Ryan Ellis, but he's 25 years old. He can. It, it doesn't make any sense from a salary cap perspective to me for Philadelphia. I don't think that this puts them over even the Rangers, let alone the Penguins and the Islanders and the Bruins. I, I don't know. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Their defense is terrible. I understand that. So I understand the need to get a defensive defensive player. Um, but I don't think that he's the guy that's going to push you over the edge. He only played in 35 games last year at 18 points. Uh, he was okay. He wasn't great. And on an okay, not great team, to be fair. He's a one-time all-star. I don't know. I, I really, I'm not, I'm not as high on this as, as Flyers fans appear to be. And honestly, I don't necessarily get it from Vegas's perspective either. I mean, Cody Glass, he was the first pick in their franchise history. He was sixth overall, I believe back in 2017. And they flipped him for Nolan Patrick straight up a guy. Yeah. I mean, Again, he's been a bust. He's also not signed, so they have to re-sign him in all their cap troubles. That part of it made no sense to me either. But I think Nashville made out gangbusters here. They got a young 25-year-old defenseman. They got Cody Glass, who's a top five pick, I th- or top 10 pick. I think that they made out very well here. After Honestly, after selling way too low on Victor Arvidsson. So maybe it all evens out, because I-, I thought that Victor Arvidsson was going to yield a, a second-round pick, but he did not, so... Very interesting stuff there from the Nashville Predators. And then they protected five defensemen after all that, which was wild, and lost Callie Yonkrook. Uh, we'll, we'll transition this into most surprising picks slash um, expansion list like pe- decisions 
Callie Yarncroke was one for me where Nashville de- protects five defensemen, but they don't protect a guy who's been with them for a long time, was signed for an extended period of time. And I did not anticipate Seattle taking Johansson or Duchesne. And I honestly anticipated that Nashville saw that obviously because they left them protected and they used that pr- to protect middle guys like Yarncroke, Crook and they didn't. And, and now they're kind of without him. That was a very interesting one to me personally. That was one that I, that I kind of scratched my head at. Yeah. I, I'm going to go kind of the opposite route as you and, and surprised that they didn't take somebody. I'm surprised that they, that they didn't go for Carey Price. We're reading all, all, all these reports up until the day and obviously the disaster that happened yesterday, the 10 hour gap between the draft and, and when their picks had to be in, I think it was like 10 in the morning, 11 in the morning, I believe it was. Um, they didn't go with Carey Price, which is to me surprising. I, I thought that was the clear and, and obvious choice for, for a goaltender to start your franchise with. I, I mean, the performance that he had at, at 33 years of age this season was phenomenal and, and the run obviously took him to the Stanley Cup finals the run he had in the playoffs and pretty much getting up into there was fantastic and I, I, I think Carey Price would have been the perfect fit to lead Seattle and be that veteran voice in the locker room where people can come to if they need help or need advice or really just anything hockey related and for them to not take them and, and take the three goaltenders that they did it is kind of surprising because Carey Price yeah he's expensive he has injury problems but he is by far the best goalie out of those three. It just doesn't really make sense to me that they went the route they did because I would have liked to see Carey Price be able to succeed in a city like Seattle and a birthing franchise who, who's obviously going to be have all eyes on them up in the, in the upcoming seasons, and that could have kind of maybe gave Carey Price the rejuvenated career that he might want or, or something like that. So I think he would have been a, a fantastic addition to the team, but, but they decided to go elsewhere. Yeah, I think that, you know, the whole rumors that Seattle was going to take Carey Price and they were, like, trying to strong-arm Montreal into giving up picks, I feel like Seattle was probably never going to take him. I think that was a good job by Bergevin to kind of call the Kraken bluff, if you want to say, which I think a lot of teams did because you're hearing a lot of things about the Kraken, you know, putting these exuberant prices on on having to not take these guys. And as we saw, there was a lack of side deals last night. But uh, to go back to the question, I say that I was pretty surprised that they didn't take Max Domi from Columbus. I mean, they took a guy, Gavin Bayreuther, I believe his name is. Full disclosure, I had no idea who that was until I saw his name get picked. But for a team that has a you know a very strong lack of centers in the Kraken, and I know Domi, he, he's maybe more of a natural wing, but he can definitely take draws. I was just really surprised that they didn't take him, especially considering they took plenty of defensemen. I think their defense is probably going to be their strongest aspect, whereas the forward group, in my opinion, was lacking. One correction, Yarncroke, this is his contract here. The player I was talking about, Yarncroke, I confused his contract situation with Colt Sissons, who was also left unprotected and has like five years left. So I do want to correct that. Yeah, as for Carey Price, I was not terribly surprised they didn't take him simply because of the injury situation. I think the reason that he waived that no move was Montreal said, like, look, if you're not going to play for the first half of next year, we need Jake Allen to play. So you need to waive this contract. And I thought it was very, very smart move by Mark Bergevin for the net. Like one day it was Carey Price waves his net is no trade. Then the next day it's Carey Price is going to New York to see a specialist for every part on his body. Like Pierre Lebron, like tweeted that out. I was like, Oh, that's just 
40 chess from Bergevin because now I didn't think there was any way that Ron Francis could take him, pay him $10 million, a $9 million signing bonus as well. Um, and then have him not play until January. If, if he's even that lucky, it could be a longer term situation than that. So for me, the injury kind of, kind of washed away any chance at carry price, which is unfortunate because I, I would have liked to see that personally. Uh, I thought that would have been a really interesting spot. And obviously the connections would have been drawn between flurry and price and rightfully so, but they went with Chris Treger, which is an interesting decision. I think that he's very unproven and it could go down in flames. Honestly, is my thoughts on that one. And Max Domi, I also thought that they were definitely going to take Max Domi. That one surprised me. I feel like everybody or, thought they, they were taking Max Domi. And, I think Max Domi thought they were taking Max Domi. Probably. <laughs> the, the, like, the draft last night, I'm going to jump ahead real quick. The draft last no, night. Let's get into it. <laughs> it was so bad. It was so bad. An app, it, it was awful to watch. It, it, it was so unenjoyable. I didn't even watch the whole thing. I turned it right off. It was so unenjoyable. It was like they didn't even they didn't even try to get viewership or, or want anyone to even turn it on. It was like what what the hell are we watching here? It, it was I don't want to use the word childish, but it, it was it, childish. It was, no, it's okay. You could use the word childish because it, it was it, it, it was childish. What what the hell were we watching? What was that? I had such high hopes. So first off, it was in a place called Gas Works Park. Why are we naming a park first off after something that sounds like a fart? And why are we having it there? Like that's ridiculous. Then there were so many other things. Where to even start? So Gary Bettman called him Dave Hextall. That really set the tone. For <laughs> I don't know if you guys picked up on that, but he was like, we really like to thank, you know, general manager, Ron Francis and coach Dave Hextall. And I was like, Oh my God, he called it climate change arena. It's actually called climate pledge arena. And then I think he made one other gaffe. Somebody, the guy who announced Don Scoy's name completely. Oh, Sean Camp absolutely completely butchered it. You would think that you would tell the guy, you go over it with him beforehand, okay? Because, you know, the list has been out since 10 a.m. It's been known that they're Everybody knows what he's going to say except for him. <laughs> except for him. Which, by the way, why, why does the list need to be submitted that early? It doesn't. Like, it doesn't. It's, it's I knew it was going to get leaked. You knew it was going to get leaked. I understand, like, okay, let's have Seattle give us the list at some point before the draft starts so we can give ESPN all yes. the names. We could get the jerseys made. We could put everything up on the site at night. I understand that completely, right? You don't want to blindside Dominic Moore uh, with his analysis. And, I mean, God forbid, you know, somebody had said Alexander True, like, at 9 a.m. yesterday. Nobody who had known who the hell you were talking about. Um, and now we know who he is because he was the pick from Vancouver or something. I don't even know. So I understand it on that sense where you need to have a list before you get up there because you need to be able to tell the players and their families and ESPN and the other general managers and whatever and social media, all that. But for the list to get to Frank Saravelli was an absolute abomination. The NHL had complete control over their primetime event. This was not an ESPN produced event. This was a NHL produced event. NHL put all of it together. It was simulcast into Canada. Chris Fowler and Dominic Moore were there for, ESP, for, for ESPN, but there's no ESPN logo. So it was completely NHL's decision on what they wanted to do. And somehow that list got to Frank Saravelli. And I can only imagine that heads are rolling in the NHL office today. They, a complete disaster because there was no reason to watch it. There was none. I kept it on because just out of the hope that there would be a side deal at the end of it, they'd just be like, oh, here's all the trades at once, and it would be absolute pandemonium. There wasn't. They picked the guy from Vancouver, and Chris Fowler was like, okay, that's it, see ya. And it was like, what? Like, that's it? And then I flipped over to NHL Network, thinking like, okay, maybe the side deals will be on there. 
I go on Twitter and Cat Friendly's like, there's no side deals. I was like, I could have gone to bed three hours ago. Like, what is happening? It was a complete disaster. And the NHL looks like the clowns they usually look like. Well, I, they, 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 this is something completely irrelevant, but I'm reading from Larry Brooks right now on Twitter that he, he's been told that Lou is looking to bring both Tracy and True to the island, which was already reported. But apparently that's picking up some more. So just figured I'd throw that out there right now. But yeah, Chris, that, 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 um, draft last night was something else i mean there was no there was nothing there that could really draw the viewer into wanting to stay there and keep listening and watching i mean even the players that they brought in i know they had eberly and um giordano was there they just they, they didn't have anything to ask them they didn't they didn't really show the enthusiasm enthusiasm of the players there was no side deals which, which are supposed to be coming out now which is why i was trying to scroll Twitter to see if we can find something, but I haven't seen anything yet, but it was just an abomination, man. I, I don't know. I understand Cervelli leaking all the picks. I mean, I guess he's just doing his job. I mean, he got him. Why would he not put him out? But the league, that's on, that's on the NHL. The league can easily make the list, not do 10 hours prior. They can do it with a couple hours and somehow not let it get to any reporters. I mean, that's a clear cut mess up on the NHL, in my opinion. And, and, even before they said they don't want another another situation like what happened for Vegas. And I think it was not even 10 minutes later. I'm seeing who the Kraken have selected at 1030 in the morning. I was like, well, that that didn't go as planned. But th- there is so much for um, the league and ESPN as a whole that that needs to be fixed before before the season starts that that and there's something needs to happen because that was terrible to watch. It was terrible TV. It was barely TV, in my opinion. I, I don't think many people honestly watched it, considering they didn't have to. Um, yeah, it, it didn't make much sense. The mispronunciations, like, they, they just weren't prepared for it at all. They didn't really have anything to give. Um, it was just, I feel like it was more of uh, something they had to do after all the picks. Like, they just had, they obviously have to have a draft. Everyone in the world knew the picks already, but couldn't back out of it then, so they went with what they had, and, and that was the result of it. Yeah, that you really just put that perfectly, Mike. It felt like something that they just, it was a formality, like, all right, we got to get this out of the way. I managed to fend off the leakage on Twitter. I got a heads up from my friend. He was like, hey, they literally just leaked the entire picks. And I was like, do not send them to me. I'm not going on social media today. So I knew the Rangers were getting, or they were giving up Blackwell. And I knew that price wasn't going to get taken. But besides that, I was going into the draft, not really knowing what was happening. And I, I was excited. And yeah, it was just, a big fat, it was not very entertaining at all. It, the, the analysis, I mean, I like Dominic more, but I don't know if this was just a product of the guys they were picking were the same players over and over, but I felt like every single four that was getting picked was, oh, he can nicely fill in the bottom six. He, he's a good four checker. He can hit. I was like, they've picked five of these guys already. Why are they picking more? So, yeah, <laughs> it, it just wasn't. I thought the Kraken left. I didn't think they had a very, very good draft anyway. I mean, with the no side deals, that was shocking to me. And I was with you, Chris. That was by, by I mean, the draft was from 8 to 9.30 Eastern time. And by 8.45, 9, I was like, okay, the only reason I'm putting, I'm leaving this on is because I'm hoping that, yeah, at the end, there's going to be like, all right, here are these side deals coming in. And all of a sudden, I checked my phone when I think it was, it was either San Jose or Vancouver, one of the last teams getting picked, and it was 9.29. I was like, wait, this thing's 
this thing's just gonna end and yeah I don't it, even, it just ended <laughs> i don't know how it took you till till 8 45 9 o'clock to realize that that it was terrible. that's true I, yeah <laughs> that, it, well it was terrible the whole time but i was hoping that it would turn the corner but it yeah. was the first commercial break at 8 13 when there had been like one like cool selection and it was like jeremy lausanne and oh some yeah the- from the octopus yeah then there was the <laughs> octopus and then there was the buffalo guy and they went to commercial and i was like this is gonna suck. <laughs> it's like it just kept on going. The only I the Kevin Weeks like pre-recorded picks were pretty cool, like the Jared McCann and the fish and the the at the I thought the aquarium was kind of funny. And I liked when they had the construction workers from the arena. But other than that, it was just Ron Francis in his quaffed hair, like, uh, we're we're gonna take Jordan Eberly. It's like we all knew that at eleven o'clock this morning. Is there a pick? Is there a draft pick? Like what? And then Chris Fowler doesn't ask him like the hard questions. He takes Vince Dunn, and he could have turned around and said, "Why didn't you take Vlad Tarasenko?" And he didn't do that. And it was like there's a guy in Vlad Tarasenko and Gabe Landeskog who could have been selected by the Kraken. They could have had a first line of Max Domi, Vlad Tarasenko, and Gabe Landeskog, and they had none of that. And nobody cared to ask Ron Francis why. It was like, why are you drafting 87 guys who could play on your third pair and not a first-line winger? You have one first-line winger in Jordan Eberle. That's it. And is he really even a first-line winger, or did he just play with Matt Barzell for the last three years? Like, I, I don't know. It it was – I I agree with you, Tyler, that the Kraken selected a terrible team. It's now 115, and I am scrolling again, and I see no – trades here we see a couple signings mike smith got signed but no trades vince mercagliano just tweeted that um um we're 13 minutes past the trade freeze and nothing has happened cancel the entire offseason <laughs> like what is happening like they absolutely blew this I, and look i think that part of this is that gms were scared from last time because if you remember last time think about like the good players from vegas like yeah okay william carlson and mark andre Fleury were taken in the draft but you also had Riley Smith and uh, Alex Tuck who were traded to Vegas in order to not take other players. And that was kind of how they built their team. They're like, they got Riley Smith, they got Alex Tuck, got the Islanders first round pick. They got a bunch of different guys and it was really, it worked out in well for them in the end. And I think that definitely part of this is that the GMs were scared away and I can't blame them, but it was a complete disaster. Yeah, yeah I got it. It, it was. <laughs> I, I don't even have, I don't even know what else to say about it. It was terrible from start to finish. And I, I didn't finish. So I don't know how it ended. Don't <laughs> I know saw, how it ended. I saw they traded uh, Tyler Pitlick. Yeah. To Calgary. There's, there's one move real exciting. Yeah. That, that's a name dropper right there. Yeah. So. I, I think it was a combination. Yeah. Teams were not going to make the same mistakes they made last time, but the hope was that the flat cap would, you know, kind of force them to have these mi- make these mistakes Woo-hoo. but clearly you know the seattle kraken the the asking price was way too high and teams were just like no we're, we're calling your bluff no we're not we're not giving that up because uh, uh, apparently they were asking outrageous prices to not take somebody and the team was just like absolutely not I'm not giving you two i heard it was yeah no way i heard it was like two first round picks if you didn't want them to take someone like yeah yeah all right have fun <laughs> take them the report the um, report was that it was a first and a third to not take Giordano. And Calgary was like a first round pick for a 38 year old defenseman. Yeah, no. And it's like, I don't know. At some point, I got to respect that. But so that's fine, right? You can ask for whatever you want. So let's take Calgary, for example. Oh, give us a first and a third, and we'll take the guy 
off the bottom of the roster. No, you can take Giordano. Okay, they take him. Then how do you explain the other 30 picks? Because the other 30 picks besides – or the other 25-ish besides Alexiak, who was a free agent, Dreger, who was a free agent, um, Eberly, who the Islanders were clearly okay with losing, Giordano, who Calgary was clearly okay with losing, all the other players are just at, like objectively terrible and have – and or in the case of Brandon Tanev, have a terrible contract. So – why, like, why wasn't Max Domi selected by Columbus? And it's now 118, and we do not know the answer. And if the answer is just we didn't think Max Domi was the best player available from Columbus, then either A, Ron Francis are, is a liar, or B, Ron Francis is a complete psychopath. I'm, I'm really confused uh, by, by what happened last night. Uh, it's, it was a very, very interesting, in, interesting evening, for sure. Yeah, I, I'm trying to find the video now. I just read something like a minute ago. Of, I mean, we, we, we already talked about it. We know the answer on why the Kraken didn't, didn't take uh, Carey Price. And I'm and I, trying to find it. But the, the answer was literally just like, we looked, we studied him. We just decided to go another route. And that was pretty much the only explanation that was given. I'm like, that, that's the explanation you're going to give to not take somebody. At least, obviously, injuries it was the biggest issue with Carey Price. But, I mean, to just say you just decided another option, that's kind of ludicrous in my opinion. Yeah, ridiculous, ridiculous day. We mentioned Jordan Iberly. The Islanders clearly were okay with losing him. Um, they clear a bunch of cap space again, and they'll have to replace him probably with Oliver Wallstrom. But right now, you know, Andersley and Matt Barzell need another running mate. So we'll see if that's Wallstrom, Landeskog, Bovillier. We'll have to find out. I thought that was interesting. And um, – he scored some big goals for the Islanders, but at the end of the day, five and a half million for a 31 year old was a little bit too much in a flat cap. Uh, Colin Blackwell from the Rangers, whatever. And Nathan Bastian from the devils. I mean, it's the expansion draft. You're going to lose a fourth liner, whatever. In my opinion, I thought that that both those ball three teams, honestly did a pretty good job with their expansion lists. And it was just the question of whether the Islanders were going to lose Eberly or Bailey. Yeah. I mean, uh... For, for Blackwell, I mean, I love him as a player. He, he He's a great player to watch, and he brings so much energy to the ice and to the locker room as a whole. I, I loved him. I loved him while he was a Ranger, but, I mean, like you said, Chris, that hopefully does good in, in Seattle, I guess. I mean, that it, I don't think it's going to affect the, the team as a whole really too much. So, But good move. I mean, I mean, I didn't – originally, like a week ago, I didn't know if they were going to select Blackwell or not, and then they re-signed. Gautier, so I mean, didn't know if he was going to end up getting traded at all, but I, I, I like the selection. I mean, he, he's he's a good player. I hope he does well. Yeah, uh, he's got a fan in me as well. And if you had told me, whenever they signed Colin Blackwell, that he was the guy that they were going to lose in the expansion draft, I would have been like, okay, that that's fine by me. I mean, he was a great signing. He had a great year, but it's not going to make a long break. run if the Rangers were going to win a Stanley Cup. He probably was not going to factor into that too much. Maybe as a fourth liner, but. I, I, I'm fine with losing him, but I do hope he has he, he has a great a great run in Seattle. Yes. Well, I don't think I'll ever forget the infamous episode where we were trying to figure out why David Quinn was playing Artemi Panarin with Colin Blackwell, and Tyler and I just stared at each other for like 20 minutes trying to figure yep. it out because we couldn't figure out the answer. Colin Blackwell to Seattle. Yeah, I mean, what an, what an interesting time to be a, a Seattle Kraken person fan the off the off season is about to hopefully pick up soon so hopefully picks up right now um also how about um oh god who was it was it alexiak who called them the best fans in the league there's like 25 people in like a park how could they be that, was that on the broadcast last night <laughs> on the broadcast wouldn't even know it wouldn't even know that was set it it was one of the six guys they brought out in the jerseys i think it was alexiak 
was like, yeah, really happy to be here among the best fans in the league. And it was like, they have been fans for 15 minutes. Like, how is that even possible? Classic NHL right there. Um, the last thing we're going to mention before we uh, head out of here, uh, barring any moves on Twitter as we keep uh, scrolling as we host, is uh, Luke Prokop. He's a member of WHL's Calgary Hitman, third overall pick from Nashville last year. He came out as gay on Monday. He's uh, the first openly gay uh, NHL prospect, hoping to become the first openly gay man to play in an NHL game. Uh, soon he's a six foot five defenseman. He will participate in his first pro camp, uh, this off season, but, uh, this was historic for sure. But, um, I, I think I like that. It was a little bit less newsworthy than Carl Nassib, which was a little bit less newsworthy than Michael Sam. And it's just becoming more and more normalized and, uh, all the power to him. And I think that if, if, and when, I mean, it's a third round pick and a first round pick in the WHL. So I would go as far as to say when, he plays a game for the Nashville Predators that will be a, um, a loud ovation and a, a high-selling jersey. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you took the words out of my mouth. Congrats to him. I support him fully. Um, sucks that sucks that uh, athletes have to kind of put out a full statement and not just obviously hockey and all sports that, that they are coming out or because, like, of all the backlash they can get. And, and it sucks that it just, like, can't be more normalized and people have to make, like, such a big deal out of it on Twitter and, and comments and stuff like that. But, but all, all the, the great news to him, ho- hopefully he does well and continue to support all, all throughout the way. Yep. You guys said it perfectly. Looking forward to the day when this is, it's, it's just a normal thing and there's not a huge, you know, news release about it, but congrats to him and, and all the luck to him. It is one twenty four now. Uh, we did this now so that we See, can nothing. Have- yeah, there's absolutely reaction. nothing. Immediate reaction to any and all side deals because when there was no side deals last night, everybody said, well, you got to wait till one (sighs) o'clock. Boring, boring, boring. The classic NHL 24 hours here that we have had. Uh, So that's going to do it for us. We'll come back next week with uh, any and all side deals, the locations of big free agents, including Dougie Hamilton and Gabe Landeskog. Will Gabriel Landeskog be a New York Islander? That is a distinct possibility, and we'll talk about that next week so until then for mike messina tyler mooney and our producer miles grossman i'm chris hennessy talk to you then